Love Thy Neighbourhood is sponsored by Freenow, the mobility super app. Freenow lets me choose between four different modes of transport in one handy app. Private rides, e-bikes, e-scooters, and of course the iconic black cabs, or as I like to call them, the Knights of the Road. Just the other day, I was on my way to review an extortionate East London restaurant that only does pickle plates and cods row, and it's thanks to the free now cabs that are allowed to use bus lanes that I arrived on time and didn't lose my table. All hail the Knights of the Road! All I wanted to do was serve sausage rolls <laughs> to those people. And drink Baileys. What? And drink the Baileys as well. Oh, I thought actually. you said Trek babies. <laughs> and I was like, no. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good whatever. My name's Joe McIntyre, the big dog of Time Out London. And you join me on Love Thy Neighbourhood. The podcast in which someone harder, cooler, stronger, more consistent, more admirable than myself shows me around a bit of London that means a lot to them. One area, four locations, each of which they would give their own five-star rating to. Five stars, of course, that's what we do at Time Out. When we really, really enjoy something, we crush up some stars and we sprinkle them over the top of whatever it is, changing the course of history forever. Today, I have come to Catford. That's right, Southeast London's Catford. Now, a lot of people uh, talk about Catford quite a lot, but the only thing they ever mention to me is the massive fiberglass cat, which stands proudly over the Catford Centre, uh, which is also where Ed Sheeran uh, shot one of his music, quote-unquote, music videos a little while ago. There was a sort of bit of a noise they were going to remove it a while ago, but I think an online petition means that the cat is staying. It's an interesting place, though. It sort of uh, used to have an enormous 50,000-seater football stadium, which is larger than Stamford Bridge. It used to have a legendary Greyhound track. It used to have a velodrome. They used to shoot silent movies here, so there was tons and tons of things going on. The Catford Shopping Centre was one of the only concrete buildings in London that the, the famous and much-missed architecture critic Ian Nairn absolutely loved. They wanted it to be the, the Barbican of the South, they said, which is uh, pretty good. I think they smashed up a lot of it, demolished it, which is a bit of a shame. Famously in the 60s, Catford was the, the scene of a legendary shootout between the Richardson gang and the Craze Associates, which was in a sort of gambling den. And I think lots of that's been written about that. Check it out. Uh, the person who brings me here today is none other than the comedian, writer, author, podcaster, Fern Brady. Fern Brady. You probably know her from some other podcasts, know her from Taskmaster, 8 out of 10 cats, stuff like that. This year, she released sort of an autobiography, I think. She released her book, Strong Female Character, which is very funny and talks about her sort of autism diagnosis and things like that. Uh, she's got a new podcast coming out, which was called What a Combo, about the best and worst food combos. Lots of famous friends appearing on that. Looking forward to having her sort of wax lyrical about catfood, because I know that she likes it here and she sort of feels quite strongly. So interested to know what she makes of it all. Anyway, just arrived at our first location as normal. Gonna go in and say hi. Okay, Fern Brady. Hello. Where are we and why have you brought me here? Um, I've brought you to Catford Muse in Catford Lewisham. I come here fairly often. I don't buy anything. 
I don't like any of the food and I don't like the coffee, but I really like using the toilets because uh, no one tries to have a go at me when I come in here and use the toilets and so leave again. It's a big public toilet. But what else is it if you had to say it had other qualities? It has an amazing cinema. I do come to the cinema a lot. And the people that work at this bar, at the cinema, they're really nice. It's got a huge bar with like beer on tap. It's got nice wines. Yeah. Is kind of arty films as well or is it more mainstream fare? Uh, they do. Well, I'm looking at the films they've got on just now. They've got Past Lives. Uh, I just saw that. Did you My cry? Big fat Greek weddings. Yeah, I cried twice. Thought so. I cried, but I wish they'd fucked uh, at the end. <laughs> Spoiler, they don't fuck. <laughs> no, they don't. I've, I was sad when he said it took me 12 years to find my friend. I started crying at that bit. And you were crying when you came into this building earlier as well. Yeah, because it's really windy. But that was just debris that had come into your eye. You weren't. No, so, you well, weren't one of the things on I Twitter. like about living in. No, <laughs> I like living in Catford because you can go around looking mad and no one notices. I'm always the least mad person here. I was going to say before, people that talk to me about cat food, they only ever mention the big fiberglass cat. Uh, yeah, so it's I wanted, weird rather than the large number of mentally ill people which is in the, the thing car that park. Attracts you to it. <laughs> yeah, Lewisham, Lewisham Council car park, man. And the little car park. What is it about Catford in general? Being chased so many times. Apart from being chased and the mentally ill people in the car park, does it have some qualities that you sort of like more than other neighbourhoods? Uh, well, I only moved here because it was cheap. I'm pretty much like a classic gentrifier. I used to live in Clapham for too much money when I first moved to London. And then we found this cheap place in Catford. No one had heard of Catford at the time. I was one of the first wankers to move here and start the process of gentrification. Because if you look at I don't like to think that I'm one of the new Catford people. I hate all these new people, people type of people. Just for the Catford benefit news. of the listener, phone is gesturing wildly Love. into the air. There's a lot of uh, really annoying mums have moved into Catford. Catford is currently about 80% hipster mums. Mm. I'm actually wearing dungarees today, so it looks like I'm discreetly pregnant <laughs> with my own child. Camouflage. Yeah. It's the camouflage. Yeah. But when I first moved to Catford, no one had heard of Catford. And uh, we moved here because it was cheap. And then I work in the arts. And then I made money and then bought a house here. And it's mad because I have complained about Catford the whole time I've lived here. What I will say is it's got good Turkish food. We've got a nice Vietnamese place. Cool. I wasn't able to go there for years though, because I went in on my 30th birthday. And I don't want to say I was the worst for wear, because I was having a nice time. But I thought that I asked really quietly for a bowl of soup and I was apparently screaming at the man. Um, In your so memory, can... it's like when Homer Simpson remembers his night out and he's wearing reading glasses and a top hat. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I'd just gone in and politely asked for a bowl of soup. Well, of hipsters that moved to Catford recommend um, the Japanese restaurant. I can't remember what it's called. Ichiban something. It's terrible. Not good. No. Would you that's say you are a, a, you're sort of like connoisseur with Japanese food? You can tell good from bad. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed with food. Like I go on holiday to places just for the food. I just went to Thailand, even though I don't like hot weather, purely for food reasons. So yeah, I wouldn't rate the Japanese place. I think the Vietnamese place is better. Does good lunches. See what I mean about the kids. There's a lot of kids around it's here, like but you know what? Like, it's like I feel a like here. I was gonna say with Thai food, getting into. Oh my god! I'm yeah. putting on my my timeout trousers now. 
there's Wait. a restaurant called Farang in uh, Highbury, and the guys that run that are fantastic, and they get the freshest ingredients. Oh, and they, thank you. Farang is amazing. Because one of the reasons I, I went to Thailand was because I didn't feel like there were, I couldn't really find many Thai places that had the type of food that I wanted to eat in London so if you had recommendations that would be good ah oh, that's the one so when I first moved here the options for food were really really limited to a lot of um well we had Turkish stuff but it was like meat heavy and I don't eat meat and then it started to expand more and more and more and now we have really cool Turkish bakeries we've got um interest in Romanian food as well what's Romanian food like so there's a place that I used to go after my driving lessons. I always associate this place with driving lessons. I would do four hour stressful driving lessons. Then after I would go into this. See when you're coming from Catford train station, there's a big Romanian shop that just sells all sorts of stuff. I think it's like Romanian, Bulgarian and two other nationalities. And they sell a pastry called Placinta, which is like this pastry filled with something like feta cheese and spinach is a bit like spanakopita but much more fatty and cheesy that sounds nice it's really nice what age did you pass your driving test oh uh, it's probably gonna be 40 i've just failed my third driving oh, test that sucks but i but you're driving in Catherine's like driving uh in night of the living dead or something i mean it's absolutely insane just people wandering in the street shambling people um banging on my windscreen and my driving instructor was always having to say it's not you it's catford right uh. <laughs> but then i suppose if you learn to drive here everywhere else will seem comparatively easy there won't yeah, be people yeah, banging yeah. on the windows so i did my first two driving tests in scotland to try and cheat the system and i thought it would be easier and it was so much calmer uh driving about there was so, that where you're from in scotland in west lothian I'm from West Lothian, but I didn't even go to West Lothian. I went to a place called Peebles because it's in the top 10 easiest places to pass. But they still don't let you pass if you don't know what a roundabout is and right. if you reverse one of the pavements and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I also can't drive. Which Have is, you tried? Uh, it's ev good Every fun. so often I give it a go. I do really want to. Yeah, um, it's so good. Yeah, but in London, you can just operate without it so you sort of don't feel I need know. need to force myself i might try and race you to get a license because that will motivate me to you know get the lessons and everything yeah, yeah. well i did i wouldn't advise this is bought a car because i thought before you could drive yes you can do that um, where, where is the car just outside it's the just front just got its l plate on and it's outside my house and i constantly have to fight the urge to just drive it about. At what point does it stop being a motivating factor and start become being a massive drain on your finances? A drain on your finances and a reminder of sort of failure. I'd say about six months ago when I paid for <laughs> once I paid for my second year of learner's insurance. That was really depressing. I believe in you. Thank I think you. I think you'll pass pretty damn yeah. soon. The last test I actually failed worse than the first two ones because I failed with dangerous faults instead of serious faults so i've actually got even worse maybe you're thinking about it too much now i am um, i just relax. get so nervous well i think probably that brings us to the end of our time at the lovely cat food muse might pop back later see a screening of my big fat greek wedding three didn't know they were onto a trilogy there uh yeah i've not seen the first two either yeah well anyway yeah let's uh let's go for a wonder okay I saw that they had um, a little life screening there as well. 
the uh, Hanya Yanagihara novel uh, that was adapted for the for the theatre. I know you've written and you've performed oh, about sort of the James Norton's in. That's the one. Yeah. Did you guess s- what? What? He phoned me <laughs> this year, James Norton, who I'm basically the stalker of. Right. Bizarrely read my book and then phoned me on Valentine's Day. I don't what? think that was deliberate on his part. That's amazing. Because he wanted to buy the TV rights to my book. Oh, I was going to say. Genuinely, was like. What? It sort of resonated with him, but no, he just saw dollar signs. I don't. No, no, no. There was there was other reasons he liked it, but I was like, maybe if I do this, then we'll end up going out. Yes. And I thought. You can't, you can't do it for that reason. What did he but, sound like um, on the phone? Was he dreamy? I was walking through Catford at the time, and he was like, "Hello, this is James Norton." That was such a shit impression. It was just my generic posh English accent. Yeah. And uh, I just was walking along on the phone, like silently screaming. Did he say that he really enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah, he enjoyed it. But then that was, if I was going to write a book for James Norton to read, it wouldn't have been the one I've got now. It'd be one about like. How what cool a tight fanny are. I have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, 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 maybe don't put that in. <laughs> you can always add. You can always add an epilogue for the book just for his benefit. Uh. Well, it was quite mortifying that he dreaded it. At what point does stand-up become theatre? Because if it, they start sort of like straying into sort of like spoken word, you know. Listen, I'm about to start um, doing work in progress shows in my next tour show. That's going to be like a play for the first four months is going to be like some sort of horrendous performance poetry. Do the audiences sort of uh, act patient when you go out there and you're trying new stuff for the first Very time? Very patient. I've started doing loads of my previews at the Bill Murray, which is up in Angel. Know it well. Uh, they're really nice. So I usually start off there and then I go to Bristol because they're also really nice. And then uh, once the show sort of beds in, I'll go try it in Scotland and places that are going to be more judgmental of me. Is that the most brutal audience, you think, going back Definitely north? not. They're, they're just a bit uh, harder. Whereas, I don't know if it's because London comedy audiences are so used to watching work-in-progress shows. It's yeah. maybe that. Right, this is the place I'm on about where you can get a placenta. We're still outside PFC. PFC is the English, Turkish, Greek, Arabic, Iranian, Balkan, Polish, Caribbean and Mediterranean shop. They've covered a lot of bases there. They have. Yeah. That place does nice, interesting pastries. And then there's a similar shop that sells, you know the shops that just sell everything in the world? Yeah. There's another one like that down here, but it's Turkish and they have this really interesting bakery. Yeah, you sound pretty well serviced for uh, Turkish food. Yeah, yeah. From the, by the sound of it. You're talking about like finding it harder to get a kick out of comedy, but you, you were drawn to comedy after being a journalist, trying various things like that. Can you foresee a world where you just stop comedy because you don't get a kick out of it and you pursue something else? Uh, no, that's, it's always going to be the main thing I want to do. Like I prefer doing live comedy to any kind of TV stuff or... And I like doing writing as well, but if I hadn't done comedy, I wouldn't have ended up doing the type of writing that I want to do. Right. Sorry, this place, I hate this place. It sells T-shirts that say Catford on it. Yeah, Catford and Proud. And uh, literally only ever seen white people wearing them as yeah. well. Yeah, well, um, it's, it's, it's shuttered now and it says to let on the outside, so maybe they're falling yes. on hard times. Uh, Your one-woman boycott has worked. It's just... Do you know what I mean? It's just one of those classic signs of gentrification when you start desperately putting Catford and Proud on T-shirts. Yeah, when you saw that, you knew maybe it was time to move on. 
Well, one thing I really wanted to do is create my own range of Catford merchandise that shows uh, scenes of the real Catford, like how someone made those hats that said make Peckham shit again. Right. Do you remember that? I want to do a series of illustrations of real things that I've seen in Catford, and then I'm going to sell that. What kind of things would be on the merchandise? Um, there's a group of drunk men I say hello to every day when I'm walking through Lewisham Council Car Park over there on the way to the train station. So I would do them smiling and holding up their cans. The community street drinkers. Yeah, we've got um, a very famous man called Fritz who, um, when I first moved here, he chased me to the train station and I was telling my neighbours, this man chased me to the train station and they went, oh, that's Fritz, like he's just doing it to be nice. Is he is he well known? Because I've well known. heard about very well known. Fritz. What does he do apart from chase you? He uh, stops traffic for women and helps them cross the road. Oh. Um, he chases people. If someone's going to miss their train, he like chases you to the station so that you run faster. So chasing is his thing, really? Well, yeah, and like he's he's really sweet. Like I've bought him sandwiches and stuff before. Oh. As long as when you first move to Catford, someone tells you that the chasing's not hostile. Because mm. there's another chasing woman... Chasing does look hostile. Well... If you go up the other end of Catford towards Lewisham Hospital, there's a woman that will chase you outside Tesco Express, and that is hostile, and you need to run. Do they, are they not operating close She's to each other? She's on crack. Okay. Wait, <laughs> he's not going to chase you into her path, and then she'll chase you out? No, he lives this end, or he seems to hang about this end of Catford, and yeah. then I, I think the other end of Catford's the dodgy end. One's a force for good, one's a force for bad. <laughs> yeah. We've just arrived at our second place. Do you want to say where we are? This is Saigon Foods. This is one of the first places I came to eat in Catford. He does a lovely banh mi at lunchtime. He does great veggie and vegan options. He does nice pho. I never know if I'm saying pho properly. Is it pho? I think you can say whatever you want, but pho is what the, the, the snobs the French would insist and all on. That. Yeah. Right. He does a nice pho uh, and he'll, he'll make it as spicy as you want. Let's go in. The first place I lived in in Catford was next to a famous haunted house. This is how I found out about the ghost, was in our bedroom, there was a window, and the window didn't look out onto the garden, it looked out onto the utility room. It's quite a weird, like, old Victorian layout. And when I was trying to get to sleep, I just heard, like, tapping on the window. So it couldn't be anyone in the garden because it was indoors so I woke my boyfriend up and I was like there's something tapping at the window and I saw like a hand waving and he was just like I swear to god if you wake me up one more time at 4am telling me about ghosts I'm gonna go fucking mental he sounds nice uh he's lovely we've been together 11 years so I was like right okay and this always happens in ghosty films where there's one person that knows about the ghosts and one person that denies the ghosts so I googled my address Plus the word ghost in a Wikipedia thing comes up. Wow. About a murder uh, that happened next door. It was like this massive case in the 80s. This landlord was having an affair with a trans woman and murdered her. And then three little boys were accused of it and sent to jail, three teen boys. And then eventually they were exonerated. It's mad. I don't know why no one's ever made a big drama out of it. It was this mad case. Maybe James Norton's going to hear this and then phone you again <laughs> to try and buy the rights yes. to your ghost story. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, in all seriousness, this 
it's in a ghost book as well, where people that live in the place next door have heard tapping. But I found out in an organic way. I didn't get told, oh, you're moving into a famous ghost house. No, you sort of radicalised yourself. No, I didn't. I heard the ghost, yeah. and then I googled, and then I found out about the ghost. Who were the comedians that were like very nice to you towards the beginning? Do you remember? Oh, if any. Easy. No, no. This is an easy one. Catherine Ryan, Tom Allen, Joel Isaac. They really stand out because they were nice to me when it didn't. They didn't have to be. Yeah, Joe Lysett, when we did him on the cover, was such a brilliant dude. No yeah. complaining about everything. Turned up with his own packed lunch. <laughs> you know, was just an absolute dream. Some people are terrible. And it's not oh, really connected no. to the level of fame. You'd be no, surprised. No. Some, some of the biggest uh, C words have been people who are sort of much less famous than Joe Lysett. I find that a lot, to be honest, because there's a reason people end up getting big isn't just talent, but like if they're just easy to work with and really easy to be around. And Joe's almost not even like a comedian in terms of his personality. Like He's on a fast track to sort of national treasure status, isn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else was nice to me when I started that you would know? Lemmy. Do you know Lemmy? Lemmy. Yeah, Lemmy he's amazing. Is, I am absolutely fascinated by Lemmy. He's amazing. Really amazing. And I went so, to see him at the Union Chapel. He was doing a short stories and this thing sold out immediately. Mm. Um, and I'd say the level of adulation people had for him was almost of a religious level when he yeah. when he left the stage and he, he wasn't doing comedy because he doesn't doesn't do stand up I don't think no just reading his stories it was like watching a sort of guru figure walk through <laughs> a church these people like reaching out to touch him every single person in that building queued up to yeah. have their photo with him after why do you think his appeal is so sort of potent he's been very consistently ahead of his time in terms of I mean he was making viral online videos almost before there was platforms to host them. He just yeah. had them on his own website. This would be like 20 years ago was when he started doing it. And then he was also just always, always seemed to be ahead of people in terms of new social media platforms. And um, now he just, he as far just as I can tell, does Twitch. just Twitch. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you don't know what Twitch is, it's a sort of uh, platform mainly for broadcasting people playing video games. Yeah, yeah. And Limmy specializes in sort of videos of himself yeah. playing truck driving simulators a lot Full of the time. time. Yeah, which and is he, a hell of a way to make a living. I mean, the other thing is, is it's so um, amazing hearing Limmy talk about his experience with the sort of traditional gatekeepers of media. The fact that his series got on BBC Scotland is wild. And I think it was only because he'd established success with it that they put it on because before Lemmy, I hadn't seen any Scottish comedy that resonated with me or appealed to me in any way whatsoever. It was all shortbread, tin, uh, awfulness. It almost was made, it, it was made by middle-class Scottish people. And then it was like these caricatures of what being Scottish was. Yeah. And Lemmy's really good at making fun of that. Yeah, yeah. He's good combination of sort of nerdy, but also quite kind of tough as well there's a sort of strange mm -hmm. dichotomy there which i really mm -hmm. like and like like any great personality or comedian you just get addicted to their delivery yeah and it's not really about the setups and the punchlines or anything it's just about the way they talk and and the way that their mind works you become addicted to the way someone's brain functions yeah um and then you feel very close to them did you see when he went over um Radio 4 had done an unbelievably insulting review of his book. Yes, yeah, yeah. And he played the review or something. And it was him reacting to it. It's brilliant. It was yeah. unbelievable. 
Yeah. I mean, he doesn't need conventional media support, really. He's his own person. He's completely independent. That's why it's better doing that kind of stuff online, because the more and more you do uh, sort of standard telly and panel shows, mm. you have to... They sort of smooth the edges off you. And the other thing is, is people don't come and see you off the back of that. I've always been... Really? Through, yeah, I've always been really taken aback what makes people buy tickets. And it's a lot of the time it's podcasts and podcast audiences are the soundest or I mean obviously when I did Taskmaster that like changed things quite dramatically mm. but one of the biggest things was uh, roast battles like the, which are tiny little clips where do those get shown is that simply TikTok, YouTube that's TikTok yeah, yeah. yeah and the point of a roast battle is to make someone feel bad about themselves is that right well, you're, it's uh, insult comedy, yeah. and it's weird because it was so, so successful in the UK, but there was definitely some British people felt uncomfortable mm. with it, whereas in America, roast humour is really... Thank you. Oh, thank you. Our barn me has arrived. Amazing. If you had to... Just before we start eating... Is it okay if I start eating? Yeah, please it? start eating. I can tell you're excited, but if you could do like a, maybe a four, five-second just roast of me, considering we don't really know each other, and I could be anyone, but you had to attempt a roast... I won't be offended. Um, you look like you're in a sad Russian play. <laughs> Excellent. Let's eat. Thank you very much. <laughs> Love Thy Neighbourhood is sponsored by Freenow, the mobility super app. Thanks to Freenow, I can get to where I need to go in London in a private ride, black cab, e-scooter or e-bike. One app, more ways to travel. Feel free now. Was that the place you were kicked out for shouting about soup? No, I wasn't barred. I just couldn't show my face in there for like a couple of years. He seems to have entirely forgiven you. He was very warm towards He's you. He's so nice. Yeah, but that was seven years ago. When's your birthday? What month? The 26th of May. No way. Yeah. That's mine as well. What the fuck? That's... Do you know what this means? What? This means that we can be soulmates, but we also have a great capacity to hurt one another. Oh, God, that sounds quite... Terrifying. I wouldn't want to be hurt by you. I feel like you you could do a lot of damage <laughs> if you tried. Honestly, that's wild. Oh, do you want to know something mad? Yes. Um, Ed Sheeran filmed a music video up here under the cat, right here. Yeah, we're looking down at the cat for centre and everything. You a fan of Ed Sheeran? Uh, no, not his music, but he seems nice. Yeah. Seems like a nice man. When you hear him, he seems like a very savvy chap. He's very, very like into the business side of it, I think. Um, but I'd rather uh, stab myself in the neck with a biro than listen oh, to the music. Just, come on now. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit extreme. Well, it's more just like it's like a early 2000s music journalist attitude it is, to have. Yeah. No, it's I, much cooler now to be like, listen to everything. I'll, I'll listen to everything, but I'm not going to abandon. You know what Ezra Pound said is that the, a great critic has to basically find most things shit, but never never give up on the idea that the next amazing thing might be just around the corner. Oh. And I, I do think Ed Sheeran's shit. I am allowed to feel that in myself, I think. Uh, walking past um, that old lady who's just reminded me, there's a Lewisham Irish Centre here, and uh, my boyfriend was doing volunteering at it, and he let me come along at Christmas, and I got to drink Baileys with old Irish women and hold hands with them, and it was great. That sounds absolutely lovely. And then I was like, I'm going to be more involved in stuff like this so I can be more a part of Catford. I'm going to volunteer with the Irish Centre. That hasn't happened since no. then. 
It's enough that you thought about it, though. It makes you a good person. I don't know if you've ever tried to sign up for volunteering. It's like applying for an actual job. Yeah, they want to make sure you're not some sort of monster, I suppose. Oh, yeah, but I, all I wanted to do was serve sausage rolls <laughs> to old people. And drink Baileys. What? And drink the Baileys as well. Oh, I thought you said Trek babies. <laughs> and I was like, no. Just to make it clear, we have arrived at Burns' third location. Uh, do you uh, want to Lewisham, say where? It's Lewisham Council Car Park. <laughs> If I, if I had to describe it, I'd say very functional car park, about half full, overlooked by a sort of quite a faded 90s looking building. Uh, it's um, a popular roller skating location oh. and uh, a lot of roller skating teenagers come here to make videos for their socials. You're saying inline skating is back in this car park? Uh, yeah, I see people doing it all the time. I used to be scared of walking through this when I first moved to this side of Catford. I thought I was going to get murdered here at night. Yeah. And now I feel very safe in it. I think if I do get murdered, they've got a good amount of CCTV to capture it and solve the crime. And there was one night I was coming back. I think it was my boyfriend's birthday dinner. And we were walking back here and I said, let's go through the car park. And he went, no, the safer way is to go down that way yeah. on the other side of the council building. As soon as we went his way, a guy was like, I've got look at my colostomy bag, it's infected, it's <laughs> infected. And he was chasing us, he was showing us More it. More cat for chasers. I've been chased so many times. That's why I'm wearing these trainers, so I can run. This is how long I've lived in Catford. Was just, all I said to my boyfriend was, I told you we should have gone through the car park. That yes. was the safer option. Do you think, at the risk of psychoanalyzing you now, does this car park represent something that was formerly like a fear? that you've overcome. Yes. And then you sort of walk through it stronger, feeling like you've developed as a person, maybe. I walk through it and I think, you've conquered London, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say you definitely have, because I can't see much lighting here. I can imagine at night time, this place gets very dark. Uh, the sign's saying CCTV is active, but... There's lighting, but for me, the most stressful bit of Catford is that walk from where the train station is and all the way down to, I'd say, the old Constitutional Club. Yeah. That's a very stressful bit to walk down. But they're changing it all. You know, they're, they're going to move that road, I think. They're going to move the whole road? Aye. Fair fucks. That's quite a lot of work. Well, I feel like we've been in this car park for a little while now. I'm probably exhausted all of the conversations it's possible to have about it. I managed to get a fair amount out of it. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> we, sh we should probably head before the car park men or any chasers come okay. and get rid of us. Well, yeah, please lead on to the uh, the next and final place. Do you want to say where we are before we pop in? This is the Ninth Life pub. Now, there's some old law, apparently, that means that they aren't allowed to have very many pubs in Catford. I think there's three or four pubs, but none of them have a great feel to them, like the Catford Constitutional Club used to be in a really gorgeous old building up there, and now it's moved down to Rushy Green, and they're tr trying their best with it, but yeah. it's in a place that used to be a shop, and it doesn't have a very good feel to it. You can't like buy vibe, place, you know what I mean? All right, well, uh, yeah, let's go inside. We're being beckoned over. Can we go through the back? This is pretty glam. I haven't been here for ages, and now I feel bad that I haven't. Has it changed from when you were last here? I think they've made it even more nice. They already had all this decor it's a little bit and like, stuff. Yeah, the decor's like felt-tip pen, 
acid trip sort of thing. Just to make it clear, we just sat down inside the pub. Yeah. Um, and you were saying they had life drawing classes here? They've got life drawing classes that we keep meaning to go to, uh, but they're always selling out. And then me and my boyfriend were going to go one night. And then he was like, he said that he arrived and it was sold out. And he just saw all these old pervy men going up the stairs that looked like old Catford lads. Yeah, you got to get your kicks where you can. And the and the model was like, a, I think she was like a goldsmiths type lady. Because oh we've got a lot of them. That's going to be a here. harrowing experience for her. Um, you mentioned <laughs> before about when pubs change and they sort of become different types of places and then the old men keep going yeah and they just act as if nothing's changed yeah did you ever go to a place on the camden road called uh the unicorn no i never really go up camden way my best mate lives there and i'm always trying to get her to leave yeah it's it's not for everyone camden i used to work there for a while and this pub the unicorn is on this very long stretch of road camden road halfway up and it was your generic overlit old man boozer for you know god knows how many years and then at some point it did a hard pivot to death metal mm. and it became one of the sort of foremost music pubs for death metal and black metal and thrash <laughs> metal bands to come and um, play in the back of this not particularly big venue but the old lads would just still turn up and they would sit there at the bar with like stony faces as, you know, immolation or blood incantation or tomb mold would be in the next room uh, playing like a 45-minute set of like, you know, blast beats and sort of like manic screaming. They would just refuse to leave, sat there, were like clutching the sort of punch of <laughs> or whatever. And I, I admired that tenacity. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I love good. when it happens. Would you describe yourself as a sort of pub person in general? So, no, I actually stopped going to pubs when I moved to London because they're generally a lot of them well I'm thinking more in town like when you go to a pub in Soho and it's rammed and it's like the norm to stand out in the street with a pint but then there's been other times people have taken me to really nice pubs and I think oh I should go but what I tend to do is I go to pubs for the quiz I'd rather go for that because I'm not a big drinker Mm. so the pub quiz here is very hard yeah Last time I came here, it was being run by an out-of-work actor, and he just I just felt really bad for him. James Norton. Uh, no, <laughs> no. But he lives around the... He lives in uh, mm. Peckham, I think. Okay. Because I think he, re- like, uh, he realised that I knew that, and that was maybe when he gradually realised I was a stalker. That and, and he'd been breathing over stupid the enough to phone me, yeah. <laughs> what do you think makes for a good pub quiz? It needs to be medium-level difficulty... It needs to have people in attendance who are in, invested in the quiz. So we used to have a great one at the Catford Constitutional Club Yeah. Uh, that also had a couple of eccentrics attending that really, really made it. There was this guy who just would turn up on his own and be like, yes, every time he got something right. Was he good? Uh, yeah, he was, he was very good. Um, and he wouldn't speak other than to like punch the air when he got things right. And I'd, I prefer this venue because mm. it looks It's a big nice. venue, it's nice. Their food changes a lot. So they used to do really nice brunch and then they just stopped doing it. You're a serious brunch person, I gather. It's because I go to Melbourne, yeah. yeah. You're I, do, I don't <laughs> amazing brunches. Yeah, I mean, I don't even attempt to have it most of the time here. I've apparently poaching eggs and having toast in London is <laughs> impossible. Do you think that's all there is to it? It's a nice, a nice bit of egg and a bit of bread. 
I just don't know why the Australians do it so effortlessly and then yeah. when you have it in the UK it's like almost always bad. I don't get the sense you travel too far beyond your 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 South London Catford Lewisham comfort zone. I put it to you that I could show you a load of places in North and East London where you'd, you'd come out in hives on entering East London and North <laughs> London but you would enjoy the breakfasts and the brunches. Yeah, I mean, I've never lived in North or East London. I've always been South. If so. you dislike the young mums in dungarees as much as you say you do, yeah. I think you should probably never enter North and East London and Stoke Newington and places like that. It's, oh, it's dungaree but you guys central. have the best food options. Yeah. If you had to eat one cuisine in London for the rest of your life, <gasps> which one would it be? And it can't it be would, brunch. It has to be like an actual No, food. it would be in Chinatown, I think. Although after I came back from China for a bit, it was hard to mm. eat. And, and uh, Melbourne, actually, like Melbourne's Chinatown is unbelievable. But there's a lot of places I go to in Chinatown frequently. I go to Leong's Legend. For Leong's Duncan's. Legend, a friend of Time Out, that guy, the guy who owns it. He's a oh. real, he's a character. He's lovely. Is he? Yeah, yeah. So I'd rather go there than, I, I know a lot of people like going to Dumpling's Legend or... Same guy. Uh, yeah, but Dumpling's Legend, the lighting's so harsh, whereas Leong's Legend, it's really nice and soft. Uh, okay, well, we can feed that back to him and maybe he'll do something about mm. it. Yeah. And I took my uh, Chinese relatives there when they were over uh, a couple of months ago and they liked it. My favourite place in Chinatown, I ruined it for myself. <sighs> I'm still so pissed off about this. So there's a place called Chinese Tapas House and it does... You lived in Shanghai, it does Jan Bing's. Of course, the soup uh, dumplings, right? No, that's Xiaolong Bao. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, I fucked it, yeah. yeah. Cut that Jan out, David. Oh, you mean like, not like Xiaolong Bao, the soup dumplings? What are Jan Bing's again? Jan Bing's are those breakfast crepes you get, where they put like crispy wonton skins in it and hoisin sauce, loads of chilies and pickles. And then uh, depending on what you're into, they'll put little sausages in it. Or I get it with like this spicy- yeah, those things are amazing. I, now I know unbelievable. what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and they How put a donut in it, a, a savory donut, empty for you. Well, not empty, but the only people that would go in it would be mm. like, Chinese people mm. and me, Fern Brady, mm. and then... An honorary Chinese person. <laughs> yeah, and then I mentioned it on Off Menu and people started going and also it was in this app, Ed Gamble told me this, the infatuation. I know that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Ed was like, it's not just you recommending it that means it's taken off. And I'm not delusional, I don't think I'm that influential, but people kept tagging me on Instagram, holding up their jam bings, being yeah. like, thanks Fern for the recommendation. I can't get into the place now because there's always queues. Uh, it was sad, I remember the start of the pandemic, how badly Chinatown was hit. But yeah. now we're going to broaden our focus away from Cat Ford in particular towards uh, 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 <laughs> London in general. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you about things that are in the city that you would give your own oh, five yeah, star yeah. ratings to. Yeah. Okay. And it uh, has to be the first, your first instinct off the top of the dome. Yeah. The first being, what is your five star roast? Oh, I, was, I hate roasts. I'm so sorry. It is known about you, which is why I started with it. What do you hate about roasts um i just think especially when you're living in a city that has the best and biggest variety of restaurants like that's where london excels itself is you can think of a cuisine and look it up 
and we almost always have it. We've got Ethiopian food, we've got amazing Chinese food from all different regions, amazing South Indian food. Mm. Uh, so to go, I'm going to have gravy poured over some meat that with some nice. potatoes, plain potatoes, and uh, some plain vegetables. It's so depressing. Why do you think people fetishize roasts so much? Because a few people that have been on this podcast have spoken at length about how they cook roasts. Chefs actually have spoken about it with real uh, yeah. passion. What would you say yeah, to that? I think it's a national delusion. It's emblematic of uh, the sort of English sense of grandeur and this idea that having a shit thing and acting like it's much better than it is. It does sound like it's, us. It's so flavorless and so boring. I just, and I didn't grow up eating them either. Well, okay. Roast as sort of colonial hangover, boring, I can't tedious. stress enough how much I hate it. Yeah. And I've had people say, you'd change your mind when you have my roast. I wouldn't. It's no. boring. You've eaten enough roasts at this point. You can write it off Every now. bite is the same. Yeah. Okay, no roasts. What is your five-star park in London? Oh, so there's a lot of parks around about here. But I think I like... I was going to say Mountsfield Park, but that's still a bit scary sometimes. It's got a nice rose garden, but what's the park? Not the one between Catford and Ladywell, but the one in Ladywell. Yeah, Hilly Fields Park. Never I don't been. know if that's the official name for it, but I like that. What is it about it that you like? Because um, I used to go there for a park run, you know, on Saturdays. Mm. It's got a nice cafe. It's got nice views. And uh, what ideally what I'd like to do is buy one of the houses on that hill. Yeah. Because uh, they've got a lot of nice houses with stained glass windows and stuff how is that plan coming along i'm gonna have to wait for ages for someone to die none of them are given they're not leaving unless it's in a coffin yeah that's the a houses shame, are it? too nice do you have a five star i have a feeling you won't but a tourist attraction why would I not have a tourist attraction? I just can't imagine you going around the London Eye or the London Dungeon. Or... I'm actually going to the London Dungeon really soon. Are you? Yeah. Do you know what? The London Dungeon comes up more <laughs> in this podcast than you would assume. Yeah. Are you looking forward to your trip to the Dungeon? It was me that asked to go, yeah. <laughs> what is it about the London Dungeon that you enjoy so much? This is because my niece came to visit recently and I was trying to find tourist things for her to do and she was too little to go to the London Dungeon because it has a scary rides and I love things like that so I'm gonna go with adults do you know how much it costs how, I, I, much, I, how I, much I only mention this because this will be the third time I ask someone on this podcast if they can guess how much the London Dungeon 30. costs keep going no 35 36 quid for a normal ticket yeah but as I always say with the London Dungeon you get like three hours of entertainment out of that which is like a you know pretty long experience you're paying the wages of a lot of out-of-work actors who are yeah, you know, yeah that's good yeah. London Dungeon it is then do you have a five-star Londoner? Um, Kathy Burke, I guess. She does seem nice. Never met her. I have met her. You have? Yeah, I did her podcast and I was like, so, so starstruck. Yeah. Um, just the way she, uh, every time she called me darling, I was like, oh, this is amazing. She sort of lives pretty close to where I live, I think. I see her out and about sometimes. Well, she lives, because so that, that's where she's from. Okay. Because she said anytime London taxi drivers are dropping her off, they go, oh, you've changed, haven't you, living in Islington? And she's like, I'm fucking from Islington. Yeah, she's old school Islington. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a five-star dessert? Oh, oh, yeah, this was good, actually. 
uh, there's a place called Arapina, which is either in Dulwich or Deptford or both. I think it's both. And it's a vegan bakery that does these... Um, what is these like croissant something else hybrids not cronuts there's also there's like quaffles i've seen i've seen someone's made croissants as well into like a sort of cone big this is like a croissant that's a big disc shape of croissant pastry yes but they do a pistachio one and they do it they do ones like filled with nutella yeah so they're they're nice but is there a restaurant who has a dessert course that you look forward to in particular? Uh, I went to, do you know that mega posh restaurant Call? It's a yes, Mexican. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, I'd waited to go there for a the year. Mm. And then um, I went on some sort of waiting list to go, because it's this, it's a Mexican restaurant, but it's like a fancy, fancy tasting menu. Yeah. It's crazy expensive. And the dessert there was mental. Do you remember what it was? It was, a, I think it was called Banuelos uh, with some ice cream. But well, there was a couple of desserts, but that was the one I remember as being, it was like a little corn cake. Do you remember some, if any of the desserts were hot? I think the corn cake was warm. It was warm? Yeah. A dying breed in London these days is a hot dessert. I, I'm not really And it's dessert. very British to have a hot dessert, sticky toffee pudding. Yeah, all of those like kind that. of old school ones are <laughs> yeah. hot. And I did ask a chef about this and they said, look, it's just becoming untenable the amount of energy required to like, oh, have like, right. like heated stuff for like every single course and it's easier just to have things that you can just unpack and everything. So even really posh places yeah. have only got like cold dessert. It's one of the things that I keep bringing up at work and I think <laughs> everyone's eyes glaze over immediately when I start oh, going so on about sorry. it. Because obviously it's incredibly boring. But you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fight for this, I think. <laughs> this is my hill to die on. Maybe start a hot dessert restaurant. Just only hot dessert. <laughs> yeah. You know, from what, what the chefs are saying, it's a great way to go out of business. Sticky toffee pudding. Rice pudding. Rice pudding's a good one, yeah. Creme. There are those those Chinese sort of rice things that are full of like um, red bean paste and black yeah, sesame yeah, paste. I like they're, them. they're hot, they're absolutely I like delicious. Them. Final question, what is your five-star venue in London? I guess for doing um, comedy. comedy. Yeah. Um, so I did, do, uh, yes. I did the Hackney Empire recently. Oh. And uh, they were lovely. Really lovely, and I'd switched over from, there was another large Hackney venue that I'd played, and I was getting asked to go there again, and it just was horrible acoustics, like the ceiling was too high, the staff constantly wouldn't let me into my own gigs. So, um, they wouldn't let you into the gig? The, no, they have form for doing Is this. this one with, the, like, with the soup a, again? Uh, no, it's, if you're a female comedian, you quite often say, hello, I'm doing the gig, and they say, do you mean you have tickets for the gig? As oh, if I you're going to go, yeah. oh, of course, I get those things mixed up all the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did Hackney Empire, and the staff gave me like a card saying thanks for playing here. Oh. They were so lovely. And most importantly, it's got very comfy seats. Because as someone who watches comedy myself, I want... Oh, but I also love Soho Theatre. I go to Soho Theatre loads. Everyone loves Soho Theatre. What yeah. a cool place. I mean, in fact, they've got like... Um, I, was gonna I ask... just don't play there because their deal is so bad. <laughs> anyway... Thank you very much, Fun. <laughs> thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, thank you for showing me around the wonderful world of Catford. <laughs> that was all right. Well, thank you very much to Fern Brady for showing me around her ends, Catford. Uh, it was lovely, actually. The food uh, was really, really delicious. I enjoyed the car park as well. If you're in the area, 
do check out the car park. Uh, not after dark, though. It's pretty scary. Um, and if you want to see more of Fern, uh, it's Fern from Bathgate. It's her on Instagram. And her new podcast, What a Combo, drops September 28th. Uh, it sounds really, really good. Hopefully, by the time she hears this, maybe she'll have passed her driver's test. Who knows? Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, Love Thy Neighborhood, don't forget to like and subscribe. Please, please. Do I sound desperate? Please like and subscribe. Uh, it helps. And we love doing it. That's about it for uh, today. It's getting very rainy, very autumnal, and very overcast. I promised last time that I'd have thought of some sort of uh, catchphrase sign-off. Haven't done that. So let's, let's uh, brainstorm a couple more now. Streets is watching. That could be quite good. Streets is watching. Uh, how about, how about um, that's life on the road? That's road life. How about uh, ends till the end? Cheerio. Sometimes you need to make a quick escape. Just the other day, I was enjoying a pint with some timeout friends after work, and I realized that my poor hairy son Cronus was still waiting for his dindins, and I never want my dog to go hungry. Thankfully, on free now, the average ride or black cab is just six minutes away. One app, more ways to travel. Feel free now. I'm coming, Cronus. Good boy.